Were you sweating? Any of you? No? Maybe that's just me. When you see me start perspiring, it's like, uh, he thinks things are going not so well, right? So anyway, yeah, let's pray. Thank you so much. Heavenly Father, we thank you. I thank you, Lord, that we could come together and, and um, worship you, um, come together and sometimes, you know, uh, put ourselves in, in, in positions where we're vulnerable, um, even even when we sing or even when uh, it's just sharing a little something in Sunday school class, Lord, thank you for this time. And I pray that we would be a people who are um, willing to, to encourage and strengthen and, and um, support one another. Lord, that we'd also be a, a congregation, a group of believers, an assembly that is, is careful to continue to follow you. Thank you, Lord, for your word. Please guide us, help us to understand it um, accurately and then apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So yeah, good morning. How is everybody doing? Good? It looks like everybody's awake. You awake? Yeah? A little bit? So yeah, good morning. All right, there we go. Good morning. So the title today is Wake Up and Live. Uh, There's a song, Look and Live, My Brother Live. Look to Jesus now and live. We could say, Wake Up, My Brother Live. But look to Jesus and follow him. Um, Have you had your coffee yet? You're good to go, right? I thought about maybe I should find a meme, a coffee meme, but I didn't get it done. Are you watchful? Not just today, but in the week, are you watchful? Keep your eyes open as we we look at this passage. Um, As I read this passage, be looking, be watchful, be awake, in tune to what it is saying. All right, here we go. Revelation chapter 3. Verse 1 through 6. Would you follow along? To the angel of the church in Sardis write, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this, I know your deeds. And, and, and we come back and we've seen this every time. Isn't it comforting that the Lord knows? I know your deeds that... You have a name that you are alive, but you are dead. Wake up and strengthen the things that remain, which were about to die, for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God, or finished or fulfilled in the sight of my God. So remember that, so remember what you have received and heard, and keep it and repent. Therefore, if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. But you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their garments, and they're, and they, 
And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes will thus be clothed in white garments, and I will not erase his name from the book of life. And I will confess his name before my Father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So the Holy Spirit's involvement here is still important, and I haven't touched on it every Sunday that we've looked at this passage. It is Jesus speaking, the Holy Spirit is sharing what Jesus is speaking. The involvement here of the Trinity, especially in this passage, my God is, is state, made the statement in verse 3, sight of my God, the Lord Jesus and the Holy Spirit and God the Father are all involved here. And then the challenge that I think we could have this morning as we look at this passage and evaluate it is that we must be careful to always walk with the Lord so that we are spirit-filled and alive. Alive and maybe even noisy, right? Right? That's good to hear. Or we can say carefully walk with Jesus so that we are spirit-filled and alive. Maybe we could say the spirit-filled church is a living church. Are we a living church? The spirit-filled church is a living church. And I think there we could we could say there's some commands here. I've dissected this passage into three portions. Um, and I'm not sure if I could say this, but I'm going to. There are three commands. There's really more than that here, but we're going to look at three commands. Um, we need to observe what these are saying. And the first command is, is to be careful of appearances. Be careful of appearances. Revelation 3, 1 really, really shines out and says, hey, this is the Lord Jesus Christ. You need to be aware and awake and be careful. The name they give you may not be really what you are. And for this church, this is a real church that he is confronting and he's, he's challenging. But down through the ages, I believe we could also say we've seen this in every age, during the church age, in every generation... Um, some say, hey, this is specifically looking at some portions of, of, of denominations, especially in our day. And so there's a lot of speculation what this dead church is that looks alive or has a name that is alive. And as we get into this, I, first, in this introduction, I think it's very important to see uh, who, is, who is here confronting them again, the vision of the Lord Jesus Christ in chapter 1. And it says, He who has the seven spirits of God and the seven stars says this. And at the end we have the Holy Spirit who says, Hey, listen up. This is what you need to hear this, what I have said. And so we see Jesus Christ here. And there's seven, there's two sevens here. And remember, seven is a picture of perfection. We have seven churches, though. And it starts out, uh, the seven spirits of God. Now, what is that 
referring to and we believe and go back and we've talked about this before but the holy spirit in zechariah uh, chapter 4 is a passage that we could look at as well as another one that we see this as a, a picture of the perfection and the vision the ability of the holy spirit to know everything that's going on the holy spirit is omniscient seven perfection but here the holy spirit who knows and sees everything and i think it's very important for the church to see his involvement the holy spirit is the one who gives new life when you believe in the lord jesus christ he is the one who regenerates and he is the one who brings you into this body this family he is the one who indwells And the church age began on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 when the Holy Spirit came and first indwelt the the believers at that time. It's the Holy Spirit who brings, therefore, people into the church body. It is the Holy Spirit who fills each individual and gives him and her their gifts. Romans chapter 12 1 Corinthians chapter 12. It is the Holy Spirit who gives new life, gives life and fills each believer and enables them to do what God wants them to do, who leads and directs. The seven stars, and we can get into this a little more, it's... it's, the word for a star instead of messenger in this portion of Scripture. But it reminds us that Jesus has power or control over the churches. He goes on here in this first verse, your deeds give you a name that you are alive, but you are dead. They are dead. And somehow, some way, I believe there's been this detachment of this church, Sardis, where they, they say they're believers and they may be going through all the, the motions, but they're not walking with Jesus and therefore they're not a spirit-filled, spirit-led church. They look alive somehow and there's some speculation all over the place about what this means. You know I mean? We can look at some denominations where a church is there and the building is there, but this assembly. And maybe they're very active. Maybe it's, maybe it's a church that has a building there and all it has is old people. And you know, well, that's a dead church. I think it's a church, not a building, a group of individuals that look Christian and maybe they're doing a lot of activities, but Christ is not the center of those activities or they're doing ministry and maybe that ministry began to be a powerful ministry but the leader of the ministry the leaders of the ministry have passed on or it kind of lost this mooring and it got into a rut and now it has no effectiveness and they're just doing it because they've always done it and that's what they've done so they continue to do it and it's not bearing any fruit. There's action or activity, but no life, and they're not following the Holy Spirit. There's a lot of speculation. No matter what it is, it looks alive, but it is, and it has a a name that it is alive, but it is dead. 
And so somehow, and I would speculate that there's some apathy. There is, hey, we've done so good, and I'm doing all right. I'm just going to go my own way, and and I'm going to keep living in my strength and not in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And so the relationship with Jesus is hindered, and there is no filling of the Spirit, no being led by the Spirit, and therefore, no matter what they're doing, it is void of life. Verse 2 says, strengthen the things that remain. And so it makes me think of atrophy, you know. When you look at one of the passages where he's talking about the, the, the church and the gifts of the church, especially 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and then you get in 13 about, you may have all these things, but if there's no love, it's, it's like a... A gong that's worthless. What what is it there for? But kind of there's this atrophy because some of the body. So there's this picture of the church being a body, and some of the body is alive, but the other part isn't. And so it's kind of you know atrophied. It's kind of dead. So strengthen what remains. If you can't strengthen it, it needs cut off. Some is dead, some is gone, some has atrophied, or most has. And so it makes me think of trophies, right? When I say a trophy, any hunters in here? Some of you, when I say trophy, you think of this little statue, you know, and it's made out of gold. I think of what hangs on a wall, a nice buck, Right? And we say, oh, those are so pretty. It's wonderful. Yeah. And and I've heard some guys say, man, you know, that person, that kid shot such a nice trophy. I've never shot one like that, but where are they going to go from here? They shot this trophy. Now it's on the wall. It's dead. But, hey, you know, I've I've got it. I don't need to go hunting anymore. There's no purpose. (laughs) So if you live in the past too much, past is over. The past is gone. And if you live in the past, that's deadly. And so trophies are dead. They're in the past. But if you hang on to them too much and that's all you're living for, that's all you're looking at, it's very deadly to sustain life and purpose. And we as a church and you as a person are not a trophy on a wall, are you? Right? So the picture here is something mummified. Something that looks alive but really is dead. A taxidermied animal, right? Or taxidermized, I don't know. And I remember, if I remember correctly, I don't, maybe they weren't ever scared. I know when we went to that restaurant the zoo, in the zoo at, you know, some of the bigger cities like in Kansas City. Um, it was like a zoo restaurant and they had these fake animals that would move and there was monkey sounds and my little girls were terrified. Those were dead things, but they sounded and looked alive. Go to Cabela's in Kansas City there. There's a lot of, of taxidermized or tax, taxidermied uh, animals, and they look really alive, but they're dead. They don't do anything. I may not be remembering right, but there's a few of my kids, I think, that were a little scared of some of those scarier-looking trophies. But they didn't do anything. They couldn't move. 
They looked nice, but you're safe because they're not going to endanger you. They're not going to move. They're not going to challenge you. And here was a church that was not challenging its community. Here was a church that looked alive but was dead. Their deeds were incomplete. There was reputation, as Wiersbe says, there was reputation without reality, form without force, or that the unsaved in Sardis saw the church as a respectable group of people who were neither dangerous nor desirable. They were decent people with a dying witness and a decaying ministry. They were a decent people with a dying witness and a decaying ministry. When we look at this church or this assembly, we may picture a church that looks dead. We may picture a church that may even look alive, but where do we stand? And it begins with each individual. We may look at the programs and we may think, hey, we got a lot going on. Or you may be looking at the programs, I guess, and what, what I, to clarify what I just said and think, oh, we could do more. We're not alive enough. The question is, are we, regardless of our opinion, are we following Jesus Christ and doing the things that he has called us to do? And so we have to be people who walk with Jesus as individuals and the people who are seeking to follow him. And it may mean change. It may mean that we need to reaffirm and reestablish what has no longer been or what seems dead. But the key here, I believe, is that we must carefully walk with Jesus so that we are spirit-filled. And, and, and if we are spirit-filled, and spirit should probably be capitalized here, it's not, because the Holy Spirit fills us. We're indwelt, but are we spirit-filled? And if we're spirit-filled, then as individuals, we will be in a live assembly. The second command that we could drudge up out of this passage is in verses 2 and 3 and that is to be vigilant to rejuvenate and we've already touched upon this just a little bit let me reread these passages these two verses wake up and strengthen the thing things that remain which were about to die for I have not found your deeds completed in the sight of my God so remember what you have received and heard and keep it pardon me and repent therefore if you do not wake up I will come like a thief and you will not know at what hour I will come to you. If I do not get to that last phrase there in verse 3, keep it in mind. This means Jesus is going to come swiftly for judgment. But he says, in essence, and I think we could sum it up, be vigilant to rejuvenate. To be renewed. And so therefore you need to examine everything carefully. That is, watch up or wake up. Watch out or wake up. 
Watch carefully. So this is where it gets really fascinating. Sardis is this Greek city. In Tur- it's in Turkey now, right? It was a key place. Remember last week, the last city was kind of in the valley. It was not a, a, a great place to defend against an oncoming attack. Sardis was. They had three cliffs and one hard, steep incline to the main old city. And those cliffs were really, really hard to scale. They're pretty much straight up and down. And, and some talk about, you know, Aesop, they think Aesop, Aesop's fable, that he came from here. They think maybe they were really rich in the beginning, that there was gold in the streams there, that that's where it originally came from. There's a lot of speculation, though. But, but some say, hey, uh, they were pretty rich at the beginning. They also believe this is where all um, wool, this is where they, they learned to dye all kinds of wool but that they had gold in the streams. And so uh, Croesus, C-R-O-E-S-U-S, was wealthy, a very wealthy person. So there is a statement still today, or there was, that as you could say, as rich as Croesus. But he was a, a wealthy leader. He fought against the Persians, King Cyrus and the Persians. He went to fight them. He got beat pretty well beaten pretty badly, and went back to his home at Sardis to try to recoup, recover, build up his troops. The Persians followed him. So there was the old city, and then there began to be a new, newer, newer part of town down below. The Persians came in, and they did not have the high ground. They got pinned down. And at what point in the battle? is about night. Well, they're not going to breach the main way up here. So Croesus and almost everybody went and went to sleep. Okay? Wake up. That's why it's so fascinating. Wake up. So they went to sleep and they say, the Persians found a way and they scaled up the back of one of those cliffs. They say it's so defendable that a child could have beat back the Persians if they had been awake and watchful. But they weren't. And they got, dis- they got routed. And so here we have him saying to him, and that was in 549 B.C. They went to bed. They were asleep. So here, Jesus says to the church, wake up. Wake up. The enemy is at the door. The enemy is in your ranks. And so it goes on to talk about what you need to do. This is what you're doing if you're awake. That is, fix what is atrophying, right? Fix it. Be aware and then fix it. Strengthen what remains. If it is dead, cut it off. If it has some life, strengthen what remains. So we need to ask a question, and they should have been asking, why do we do what we do? Why do we do it? Is it 
because we're being spirit-led, that we're following the Lord? Is it accomplishing what God wants? Are we following through with our faith? And so follow through with your faith. Their faith was weak. Their deeds were incomplete. And the only way to strengthen and complete that is to walk with the Lord more closely and allow him to use you. A lot of times we can start out following the Lord and doing it in his strength, and then we end by doing it in our strength. I do that a lot. How about you? Yeah, we have to exert some energy. We have to exert ourselves to follow him. But are we going on our own or are we still with him as we move forward? We come back to this passage, so there's a couple of key thoughts here. Strengthen what remains. Follow through with your faith. Repent. And be careful of judgment. As well as hold fast, and I want to throw this one up there for you. to Hold fast to the word. And the whole word for hold fast is not the same as we've seen before, where it means grasp, but it still means hold on to. What you were taught from the beginning to the word of God, remember what you learned. You know, the second time, is, you think the, 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 whoever was in Sardis would remember what happened in 549 and never let it happen again? The second time Sardis fell was when Alexander the Great had a sure-footed Cretan, a Crete, a young man who could climb like a goat, they say. And the people of, in Sardis did not watch those sights again. Alexander the Great brought his, his troops up as though he was going to attack from the front, and they found the way from the back to begin to destroy those who were in the old city. And so we need to wake up and live and not think that we're invincible, right? Pride comes before a fall. Be vigilant and rejuvenate, that is, cling to the word of God, cling to your relationship with Jesus Christ, spend time in his word, spend time talking to the Lord in prayer and go from there. Challenge one another, encourage one another, see what the Lord is leading you to do, and do it. And that way we will carefully walk with Jesus. And that way we will truly be alive. The third command that we can drudge up here is follow the example of the remnant. Follow the example of the remnant here in verses 4 through 6. But you have a few people. The few peoples, the remnant in Sardis, who have not soiled their garments. So whatever they were doing, they may have had this name, this acceptable name in their community, but they were dead. And that this death pointed to the fact that somehow they were soiling their garments. And they and it goes on, and they will walk. This remnant who has not soiled their garments. And they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. He who overcomes 
will thus be clothed in white garments. So as a picture here that they are walking with the Lord and they are seeking Him and they are truly saved, they are truly redeemed, they are truly cleansed by the blood of Christ and they are continuing to walk with Christ. And when we look at these people, I think it's important for us to say, hey, we should be encouraged that even in a place that is dead like Sardis, there was a remnant. In every generation, I believe there's been a remnant In the Old Testament, we can see pictures of the remnant. (laughs) Even when there was uh, the times that they were taken out of the land. You think of Daniel. Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego. Or when we studied about Elijah, he thought there was nobody else. Or I have 700 others. Be encouraged. There are a few people walking in the Spirit. I, I think of Matthew 13, 24 and following when Jesus talks about the parable uh, of the tares. There's wheat among the tares, but there is wheat. There's going to be this time where it's all going to be taken out and the tares are going to be sifted out. But here in this church in Sardis, that is, there were both the tares and the wheat, but there was wheat, praise the Lord. And they're walking with the Lord. And they're walking and doing what the Lord wants them to do. These are supposed to be strengthened and continue to follow Him. So there are some who are saved. And then it goes on in this verse. And, and, and for a lot of people, this is their focus. And I will not erase His name from the book of life. And I will confess His name before my Father and before His angels. Because what? They confessed the name of Christ before others because they're following Christ. Well, what does this mean, blotting out of the book of uh, of the book, right? The book of life. It would appear that God's book of life contains the names of all the living. If you look at the Roman cities and the Greek cities, they'd have a list of all of the living. Though until they would die, then their names would be blotted out. It would appear that God's book of life contains the names of all the living, the wicked, as well as the righteous. Here's a couple of passages for you. Psalm 69, 28. Psalm 69, 28. Revelation 13, 8. And Revelation 17, 8. Those two last references of Revelation suggest that the names of the saved are written in the book from the foundation of the world, that is, before they had done anything good or bad by God's grace they have been chosen in Christ before the beginning of time but here the question is and looking at Psalm 69 28 as well as some other references you know scripture does not contradict scripture if we think it does and we're misunderstanding one passage or the other I do not believe this teaches that you can lose your salvation is the point I'm getting to Those who do not turn to Jesus Christ and pass away, their names are blotted out. Those who have never believed. And so this passage is rather actually a passage for encouragement for the believer. But we can talk about that. We don't have time today. But it should reinforce a true believer's faith. It would appear that God's book of life contains the names of all the living The wicked as well as the righteous and the wicked as they die are blotted out. So be encouraged by the remnant. Be encouraged by 
the truth of God's word and be or be a part of the pure and living remnant. If there's no one else around, you be the one who's following Jesus. Today you're with others, so you are a part of believers who are following Jesus. And that is crucial. God did not save us to be separated and by ourselves. He saved us so that we would be a part of a living remnant. So as an individual, we need to ask a couple questions. Am I a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ? Have I believed upon him seeking forgiveness? Do I truly believe in his per- the person and work of Jesus Christ? And if I do, there will be a change in my life. The Holy Spirit regenerates, makes us new, gives us new life. If you have questions, just turn to the Lord now. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. Lord Jesus, I trust in you as my Savior. Lord Jesus, forgive me. I want you in my life. I want to follow you. Are you walking with him then? Sometimes we feel convicted and we wonder because the Lord... Well, sometimes we wonder because we're being convicted. If you never wonder and you're doing things you ought not to do, that's when it's scary. When you're doing things that you ought not to do when you're sinning and you're feeling no conviction, that is super scary. But if you feel God's conviction, that's a good thing. Repent of it. Confess it and follow him. Have you applied what you learn as you walk with him. Are you walking with him? And as assembly, where do we fail? Are we a spirit-filled, spirit-led church? I think every church has its issues, its problems. What is the Lord calling you to do? And you might think, well, what we this program, we have this program, or we don't have this program, but what is the Lord putting upon your heart to do? And it might simply be a phone call. Are you doing it? Are you picking up the phone and calling that person? Are you going to visit that person? I think I already quoted Warren Wearsby once, but to quote him again, he, he wrote that Dr. Vance Havner has uh, frequently reminded us that spiritual ministries often go through four stages. A man, a movement, a machine, and then a monument, a dead trophy. He goes on to write, Sardis was at the monument stage, but there was still hope. Well, how did they get there? You begin to live in the past. You begin to go through the the actions of getting things done, and you're really not walking with Jesus and following him. And if that ministry is dead... It either needs to figure, you either need to figure out how to change and follow Christ. What does he want me to do? Does it need changed or does it need cut off? A church can be at a monument stage and a parachurch ministry can be at a monument stage. That is mission organizations that we support. And ministries can be within the church. And so, how do, how do we 
we go about as a church to remain alive and not be like Sardis. First, I think there's a lot of things that they were doing. They were just fitting into the culture. There was no persecution or pressure like the other churches. They were just living like the world. And they looked good, but they were dead. We have to be people set apart as we see with the white clothes. We are born again. We are saved. We're declared righteous. Let's become more like Christ and not like the world. We're sanctified. We need to live a sanctified life. Okay? That's the first thing. Make sure we're not like the world. Secondly, what is my walk like with the Lord every day? Where do I stand? Because we cannot gauge our family, our church body, our assembly, not the building, correctly if we ourselves are not walking in the Spirit. And sometimes we think something should be done and we look at others that they need to do it and actually no one else is feeling the conviction of the Lord to do that. Then who's supposed to do it? The one feeling led to do it if it works within the structure of the church. Okay? Sometimes you don't need the, the, hey, let's get her done by the board. And sometimes you do. So you have to gauge where it lands. But you need to be walking with the Lord, seeking His will, His way. And as we do it, hopefully we will move together, uniting as a true body of Christ using the gifts that we're given by the Holy Spirit in a powerful and effective way. So where do you fit in in the church? We all have different ministries. We all have different things that God has called us to do and prompting us to do. But it begins by walking with Him personally. It continues as you gather together as a body of believers, right? And it moves forward from there. Every church locale or location or denomination will not look exactly the same. And I think we have to be very careful to try to incorporate how the world does business to how the church does ministry. Sometimes they look alike, and sometimes you can glean good wisdom from outside the church, but not always. So we need to be people of prayer. So where do we stand? Do you know Christ? Are you walking with Christ? Are you doing what he prompts you to do? And are you talking to those who you need to talk to if God's prompting you to do it? Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for your mercy and compassion towards us. Thank you, Lord, for um, being patient with us. Help us to be sensitive to you, Lord. Help us to be a people who are walking with you daily. Um, that is, um, bring it to our attention, Lord, when we're, we're, you know, for me, if I get up in the morning and it's all about coffee and I don't get to my, my time with you, Lord, uh, wake me up to the fact that I'm lacking and spending time with you. Help each one of us to do the same, that we would... Be aware of our need to walk with you each and every day, each and every hour. 
And as we do, Lord, help us to be sensitive to your leading. We thank you, Lord, um, that you give us powerful examples, but also, Lord, that you have not left us alone. You are involved. You know what's going on, and you desire to see us grow, um, both as individuals and a body, as assembly, as a family. Um, Lord, help us to be sensitive to one another. If we, we have the, the great ability and power to do many wonderful things of ministry and lack love, if we have, uh, we know you say, if we have the greatest theology, but we lack love, and therefore we lack the ability to show compassion to our brothers and sisters in Christ, then we have nothing. So help us to be a church that loves one another and seeks to serve one another and seeks to serve our community. And we understand, Lord, that love's not devoid of truth or sound doctrine. So help us to stay firm, firmly planted upon you and your word. Thank you for this day. Thank you for uh, the opportunity that you give us. We're still breathing. We still have much to do. In Jesus' name, amen. So please remember that we need to carefully walk with Jesus so that we are spirit-filled and therefore alive. Can we have some young men to come forward?